Welcome to another episode of the Rise Up Country podcast. Hi, I'm John Ritter. Now, in the next few minutes, we're going to be spreading our message of hope and stories of inspiration with two names you should be familiar with. The first is Jonathan Rumi. Now, Jonathan is the gentleman who plays Jesus in the hit series, The Chosen. Jonathan is also in a movie called The Jesus Revolution that I want to tell you about. Plus, Josh Turner is going to join us. He has an album we are talking about, I Serve a Savior. Some of the songs on there I can really relate to. And he has an incredible story about the effect his song, Long Black Train, had on someone's life that you have to hear. And I'm going to be featuring some stories from some real stars of the Rise Up Country podcast. People just like you who call into our Hope Line and share your incredible stories. We're going to hear from a guy on a tugboat down the Mississippi River. A guy driving an 18-wheeler across the country. And someone in the military. And he's going to tell us who made that positive impact on his life. Let's start off with the conversation I had with Jonathan. You know, Jonathan, I figured out you were a great actor. If you could play the role of Jesus and make it so convincing, he had to be a great actor. But then the more I dug into your past, I realized why you're so good at it is because you've been like my wife and I. You go through some tough times in life, and finally you have to just give it all up to Jesus and say, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. Yeah, Jesus is always the secret sauce, isn't he? Um, I uh, yeah. So I I I'm from New York originally. I moved out here uh, in 2010 to Los Angeles, where I'm based um, currently. I struggled for eight years. You know, I, I worked a bit. People would say, I mean, like colleagues would consider me working, even though it wasn't really like making a living. But um, that's sort of representative of the of the astronomical odds of of being a successful working actor. I was always convicted in my heart that that was where God had wanted me and where he led me. I blew through my savings the first year of uh, my my uh, living in Los Angeles and then it was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Long you know long story a little longer here so I jumped jumped to 8 years later when um, I had been juggling six or seven different side gigs and uh i i couldn't i hadn't been worked in like three weeks like i couldn't get arrested to to get a catering job even and i i ran out of money i was deeply in debt and i had uh, i woke up uh, overdraft uh 80 bucks and i had 20 bucks in my pocket and i thought how did this happen i did the only thing that i could do is i got on my knees and stared up in my crucifix and just poured out my heart to God and, and, you know, and kind of reiterated that I had been asking him for years. If, if there was something else that I should be doing, let me know what it was, because th- this is just really difficult. And I hadn't heard anything. I hadn't heard anything else. I finally, for the first time in my life, uh, completely surrendered my life and specifically my career to God, which is something I hadn't really done before. And I always kind of kept them at arm's length saying, I, I, I know Hollywood God, I'll, I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out. You know, just <laughs> you help me in all these other areas of my life. But when it comes to my career, I'll take care of it. And right. that was exactly right. not the thing to do. And uh, once I actually did that and let him take care of it, uh, that day I, I received a, a financial windfall um, in the form of four mysterious checks that came in the mail. I actually recorded the event um, 
me opening the checks just, just for posterity, just to kind of have proof that this was a miracle that, that could, couldn't really be explained. As an actor, you make something called residuals, which is like if I did a show 10 years ago and it's still running on television, I get like, you know, sometimes I've gotten a check for a penny, um, sometimes for 27 cents, sometimes for $1,000 or whatever it is, or $800. And so one of these checks happened to be for like $800 because they hadn't paid out residuals for like years or something. And when it all added up, I started out with 20 bucks in my pocket, negative 80 in my bank account. And then at the end of the afternoon, I was up $1,100. And so um, to me, that was a clear sign that God was was oh, yeah. was getting through to me and asking me to, to, to take this leap of faith, this, this surrender. And as a reward for my obedience, he was going to show me um, what he had in store and, and show up and show out in my life. Everything changed after that. Three months later, I booked The Chosen. Here I am sitting talking to you. So it's, it's pretty extraordinary. God is so great. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for taking us down that journey. And you sure. must have thought all of a sudden, four and a half years later, you're meeting the Pope. You had to be going, what is this all about? Yeah, it was that was a surreal moment. Um, and um, and one that uh, I, I mean, I'll never forget. You know, I was thinking about this this morning because when we were, you know, writing this stuff out, I'm thinking and he meant the Pope. And I was thinking what a big deal it was. And then I thought, John. He meant Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But one of those moments that got me, I don't know why, I guess because I, I feel that we all kind of drift away. When Mary mm. Magdalene drifted away and then came back and does all this and is this plea and da, 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 da. And Jesus just turns and says, I forgive you. You're referring to the moment where Mary Magdalene, after having been saved by Christ and right. called by name, you know, uh, after having been have, having met Jesus in a bar, <laughs> right. uh, kind of, you know, loses her footing and backslides into into, you know, some wayward um, behaviors and uh, and feels that she's she's not worthy to be saved yeah. again or to be picked back up again. And and. And, you know, God's mercy is infinite. His, his compassion and his love are infinite. Like, for instance, if I, if I go to confession and, you know, get absolution and, and repent of, of my sins, and then I do it again, um, that's human nature. Um, and the point is, like, we, we can't save ourselves. That's why we need Christ. But, right. but he, he, he's there so that, you know, to pick us up, even when we don't feel worthy. And the biggest thing for people is to to understand that if God forgives you, you need to forgive yourself. Good point. You need to let it go. Like his, he, he has no memory. <laughs> once, once you've repented, once you've been forgiven, he has no memory of your sin. The sin's wiped out of existence. All right. If he lets that go, then we have to learn to let it go. But sometimes that can be a tough lesson to learn. And we are stubborn people, aren't we? You know, and then I started to talk to Jonathan about the new movie, Jesus Revolution, which goes back to the 70s hippie movement. So I showed him my Who t-shirt I was wearing, talking about my generation. <laughs> That's it. So I had to wear my Who shirt. There again, that was one of those movies that when I watched it, man, you would think I was a sissy boy. I was crying so much. <laughs> I mean, the Holy Spirit was just beating me up. Yeah. I tell you, the one for me, too. Oh, gosh. I mean, there's so many parts 
But in the movie, when Kelsey Grammer, when they give him this big, long lecture on how these people are stepping on the new carpet in this mm. church, the new carpet, the new shack carpet. carpet. That's right. And then all of a sudden, the next scene, he's there doing the Jesus thing, washing feet. And I'm like, yeah. wow, did that wipe me out? That's the heart of it right there, isn't it? It is. This is not a movie for Christians only. What would you tell somebody as far as, well, is this a Christian movie? I think it'll appeal to Christians, but I don't think it stops with Christians. I think it appeals to uh, so many people on so many in so many age groups and so many generations um, because of the nature of how it shines a light on the flaws of humanity. All of us are flawed, uh, myself especially, and and um, all of us need God to to help us to fill the gaps within ourselves, to fill the holes within ourselves. Those holes that that are representative of, of a search for longing and for meaning and and for you know um purpose in life and when we try to fill that hole with things like in in the movie uh, you know it's depicted through drugs that, that wasn't solving their problems that wasn't filling them up with the meaning they had thought it would you know even these these psychedelic encounters with the divine while they were tripping out it wasn't real you know but, but jesus is is real that's what's real and that's what ended up drawing them to the church, hearing somebody like, uh, you know, with the charism of, of Lonnie Frisbee, you know, who loved Jesus to, to his core, hearing him talk about Christ and the Holy Spirit and what it did through Lonnie's gifts, um, as flawed as he was, um, w was what brought people, the Spirit brought people to the church. And uh, so Lonnie would, would bring them with his charisma and Chuck would keep them there with scripture and teaching. And, and that would he would sort of catechize them and, and that kind of became a foundation for, for so many um, hippies in that generation. And, uh, and then it, it just, it just exploded. I mean, it was the greatest revival in recent history in the last 50 years in this country. We're praying and hoping that we can, it can happen again. And that, uh, that this film gets to be a part of that and, and bringing that God consciousness back into, and that, that Christ consciousness, I should specify back into the culture um, for us. That's, that's a win. Well, Jonathan, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're you're changing hearts and leading people to Christ. What a great mission you are on. Hey, thank you so much. And all I can say is thank God for God. And thanks for joining us today on the Rise Up Country podcast. Amen. Thank you, guys. Jonathan Rumi in the movie Jesus Revolution. A fabulous movie. Brought me chills. Made me cry. You'll love it. He's also in a series on TV that you can download called The Chosen. Right now, I want to play a phone call that I got on the Rise Up Country radio show. We call these people the real stars of the Rise Up Country podcast because of the stories of hope and inspiration they share with us. This gentleman heard a phone call on our show, and it made quite the impact on him. About 30 minutes or so ago, you had this guy came on, gave a testimony about his life, how messed up it was mm -hmm. with the alcohol, drugs, and being homeless. And and, and then he sounds so happy and, and uh, full of life right now, like he had a home and a wife, and mm -hmm. everything was going good for him. And at that particular time, this guy, I was listening to it on the radio, and at that particular time, I looked over to my left, out of the corner of my eye, I, caught a, I worked on a tugboat on the Mississippi River. And out the corner of my eye, I saw a boat passing about 100 yards from the boat. And the name of that boat was Risen Savior. <laughs> and, and it was just, it didn't seem like it was a coincidence. And it, today's Sunday, and we're tied off at a fleet here on the river called St. John Fleet. 
And I just thought, you know, hey, this can't be a coincidence, you know? Right. So I just thought if that guy could hear something like that, would just lift him on up more, you know? You got it, man. And I tell you what, when it's all said and done and we watch all these stories in the news of people passing, when it's Absolutely. all said and done, man, I want to hang out in heaven. How about you? Oh, no doubt about <laughs> That's it. That's exactly I right. Going up down my body right now, you know. I believe in those evolution thing, and I believe in a, a God and a risen Savior. That's and cool, I'm man. Be with him one day. But anyway, I just thought I just thought I'd call. I don't care how long it took. I just thought maybe you guys would like to hear that. Hey, you know what? You and I'll hang around someday, hang out in heaven. And you can tell me all about riverboating. How's that? That's right. <laughs> I hope to be able to do that. You know, All right. I hadn't been on the, on the river but about five years. I was a construction worker for 35 years, and I got tired running up and down the country because I couldn't see my family, couldn't find work here. There, and I, I, uh, I took a job on the river, and I wish I'd have done it sooner. But yeah. regardless of the fact, uh, I'm enjoying what I do now. And hey, God bless you, man, and thanks for listening. Same to you, man. You keep up the good work. Bye-bye. There's a lot of love for the Lord on that tugboat, isn't there? Hey, maybe that story inspired you to share one with us. Well, you can on the Rise Up Country Hope Line at 844-717-7774. Or if you want to make a comment, you can on our Facebook page at Rise Up Country or follow us on Instagram at Rise Up Country. Well, this gentleman here heard something on his 18-wheeler truck and radio, and he said a prayer, and everything changed. I want to talk to you about a divine appointment I had one night, late one night. I'll give you a little history. I run a, a 18-wheeler from uh, New York to Florida every week, back and forth. Late one night, I heard some gentlemen talking on the radio about a, a four-wheeler, a car that didn't have no taillights, so I immediately prayed for them that someone would help them. Well, I pulled into a truck stop to get out of the way in case I'd come up on the gentleman. But when I pulled into a truck stop and went inside and grabbed me a coffee and a candy bar, I come out and there was an elderly gentleman stuffed up underneath the dash of his car at the entrance to the view island in his truck stop. I went over and asked if I could help him. And, and an elderly black man walked out or pulled himself up underneath the dash. He said, Sonny, I don't have no lights on my car. And he said, every time I put a fuse in and turn my lights on, the fuse blows, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is the gentleman they were talking about. So I uh, got up underneath <laughs> there, and I had my little flashlight, started put fuses in there for him, and sure enough, I turned the lights on, and the fuses blowed. So something told me, look in the trunk, and it took me about 10 or 15 minutes to talk him into popping that trunk. So we popped the trunk, got in there, someone had wired in a bolt light, a trailer light, to his uh, existing tail light, but never taped it up. Oh, it's sorted. When you put them suitcases in there, it grounded them wires out on the trunk. Uh-huh. I said, well, there's your problem right there. And he started scratching his head. He said, Sonny, I would never have figured to look in that trunk. <laughs> so I went back in the truck stop and grabbed some tape and some more fuses and taped up the tail lights and put the fuses back in the fuse underneath the dash there. And I had gotten lights that never worked before. He was just overcome by it. Come to find out, he was a pastor from Florida traveling from Virginia. He went up there on a a missionary trip, trying to get back home. And uh, something told me to give him some money. So I reached in my pocket and gave him $20. He said, what's that for? I said, well, you don't have much money, do you? And he started crying. <laughs> Come to find out this is an elderly pastor from Florida. And it, the back door opens up, and three little boys get out of the back seat. Uh -huh. I was just overcome by that. And uh, come to find out these little boys were his grandsons. 
Well, my truck sat there in front of him, and I had Jesus and Lord Mudflap in the truck. He says, are you a Christian? I said, yes, sir. And he just come up and give me a big old hug and started crying, and there we are. We're out in the middle of the parking lot, this truck stop at 1 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> crying and praising God. And the biggest the biggest thing that happened was that little boy come up to me and hugged me, and he said, thank you for helping me and my grandpa, and I love, I'll never forget that as long as I live. Real stories like that on the Rise Up Country podcast. I absolutely love them. Well, this gentleman was lost, didn't know what he was going to do with his life, and finally someone gave him some advice that put him in the right direction. I was 17, you know, I got into drugs and alcohol and, you know, getting depressed and stuff like that. When actually I was going to church with my aunt at the time, my aunt and my uncle, and my pastor sat me down and he was talking to me about, you know, changing my ways and stuff. And he was like, well, have you ever thought about serving your country? So he talked to me a little bit about it because he was a previous Army vet and ended up getting me to join the the Army Hmm. um, active duty. I spent 10 years active duty, and I have not looked back once. And I am thankful for that man's wisdom and just bringing the Word of God, you know. Like, he was like, you know, it's a brotherhood, and, you know, you always have somebody out there looking for you. And then I joined the Army. It was one of the chaplains that actually kind of took me in and was like, hey, I understand this is what's been going on in your life. You know, what do you need to help you succeed? And, you know, he just kind of spread the the love of God towards me and ended up getting baptized about eight months after I was in the army. All right. So I'm now a full, full grown Christian. And it's, <laughs> it's quite nice. You know, I live my life every day. I leave my Bible by my, by my head every night. If I ever, ever have any doubts, you know, I just open it up and I can read read scriptures until I feel better. Maybe that call stimulated you to think of one that you want to share with us. Hope Line's always open 24-7 at 844-717-7774. You know, I promised you I'd play a conversation I had with my buddy Josh Turner. I love this guy. He's a great daddy, always puts God first, right in the middle of everything he does with his family. And I mentioned to Josh that when I first moved up to Nashville, I bought a condo. And I'm not a condo kind of guy. So when I heard one of the songs off of his project, I Serve a Savior, Lord Have Mercy on a Country Boy, I thought, that's my song. I mean, I went out and painted my front door, and the next thing I know, I'm getting a call from the Condo Association. What a nightmare. (laughs) So what was it like growing up for you as a little boy being in the country, and what kind of stuff have you passed down to your kids that, that you enjoyed? And are they receptive to all of it? Like you are alluding to, you know, there's a freedom in that. And um, obviously, Lord Have Mercy on a Country Boy was originally done by Don Williams, and he's a big hero of mine, and um, he's no longer with us. And, and yeah, you know, that song has always resonated with me, and I've, I've always grown up out in the country. And then when I moved to Nashville in this concrete jungle, it was, uh, you know, kind of culture shock for me. As soon as I started making a little bit of money, I, I ended up, you know, buying some land outside of town. And so I've been very thankful of that, especially here in the last year or so, because, um, you know, for me and my family, uh, we, we weren't confined to uh, the suburbs or, or whatever. We, we had some land to kind of you know, roam uh, around on uh, during quarantine and all that crazy stuff. So, Oh, yeah. I taught my son how to fish, and he just loves it to this day. So your kids into hunting and fishing? 
yeah, we we love to hunt and fish, and that's one thing we did a lot of, uh, you know, this past season. Now, how about growing up? Did you have somebody outside of your family that was a mentor that you looked up to, maybe a teacher? Yeah, I had, you know, quite a few uh, teachers, and I, I even had, you know, a coach that, that made a big impact on my life. My, my track coach from high school um, was a big cheerleader of mine, my baseball coach. He made a comment to my daddy one time that I've never forgotten. He, he went up to my daddy. He said, uh, he said, you know, Joe, he said, you ain't going to have to worry about Josh. He said he knows what he wants, and he, he's bound and, and determined to get it. He said a lot of these other, you know, youngins that I'm teaching and coaching, he said they have no idea what they're going to do in their life. And he said, but Josh knows, and he's focused. And he said, so you you don't, you don't have to worry about him. And he was right. Like, I did know what I wanted. I didn't know how to get it, but I knew I, I, knew I had the drive to go after it. And so um, – I still have that drive. You know, there's a lot of teachers and coaches that I've had throughout my life that really, um, they saw the potential in me and, and they tried to nurture that and, and encourage me as much as they could. I, I wish I had paid better attention in, in some of my other classes, but because uh, <laughs> I'm terrible at math and um, I feel like I missed out on a lot of good reading in my, my English classes, but uh, I've read more since I got out of school than I did when I was in school, right. <laughs> sadly. Man, that's the same here. You know, I did have one college teacher that gave me words of encouragement that I needed to hear telling me I was going to be all right in life, not to worry about it, and just keep going for it, and, and you'll be okay. The words are powerful. Um, I know that, you know, from being a, a songwriter and a musician and singer and um, I learned that, you know, kind of in a very blunt way with Long Black Train. You know, I've told that story a million times where I wrote that song by myself as a starving college student in my apartment. And I was all I was thinking about was myself and thinking about my record deal and thinking about, you know, becoming famous and everything. And, um, you know, and that speaking of being inspired, that song was truly inspired. And and so fast forward down the road a few years, I get my record deal the long black train comes out as a single and i'm going around all these you know radio stations around the country and i'd gone and played a an acoustic show for a radio station down in north alabama at some point and after the show i was signing autographs doing a meet and greet and everything and this woman pulls me off to the side and says uh, can i tell you a story and i said sure and she tells me about how she had been contemplating suicide for a variety of reasons. She had all kinds of stuff going on in her family, and she had, she was just, she was done. She was, you know, over it. And so she decided she was going to take this whole bottle of pills one night. And she said, I had this little radio sitting on my nightstand in my bedroom. And she said, uh, as I was on the way to the bathroom, she said, I heard those first three chords of Long Black Train, you know, come through the speakers of that radio. And she said, it stopped me dead in my tracks. And she said, I, I started listening to this song. And she said, she said, I just started crying and I got chills. And I realized that I, this decision that I was about to make was one of the most selfish thing that I could do. Wow. And she said... Huh. This song completely changed my outlook on life. And she said, I have your song to thank for saving my life. And and so <laughs> you have to understand, wow. here I am, fresh out of college, <laughs> and this woman's telling me this story. And I'm like, "Wow!" that was when I realized that, okay, I wrote this song by myself in my apartment. I, wasn't, I didn't think anybody would even want to hear this song at, at the time. 
because it was just so old-fashioned and old-timey gospel song. And um, and here's this woman telling me that this song that I wrote by myself in my apartment saved her life. And that was the moment that I realized how powerful your your music, your work, and your words can be. And so that was the moment that I decided, you know what, I can either use my platform or abuse my platform. And that was the moment that I decided to use it. And I've, I've tried to do that since then because I know that there's a lot of people out there that are in a volatile kind of situation. They're, they're on the fence. They're, they're, you know, juggling a lot of things in their life that may be pretty heavy and overwhelming. And sometimes, you know, music can change people's thinking and change people's outlook. And, and hopefully I have that kind of influence, you know, on people in those situations. You never know. Hey, do me a favor. If you like these kind of stories, give me a call and share yours. You can on the Rise Up Hope line at 844-717-7774. Write it down, 844-717-7774. Or if you have a comment to make, go to our Facebook page at Rise Up Country or follow us on Instagram at Rise Up Country. Special thanks to Josh Turner and Jonathan Rumi for sharing their stories about God's love and how it changed their lives. So until next time, this is John Ritter saying, don't give up, just rise up.